0: Welcome to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I want to thank you all for tuning in today. And uh, today, I've, I'm excited. I've got a great episode uh, in store for everyone today. Um, a couple of, let's see, a little background on, on just getting the show together. A couple of months ago, uh, I was talking to one of my friends. She lives out in Boulder, Colorado. She's an occupational therapist, Leah Hageman. And she had suggested to me, because I was trying to come up with show ideas that were relevant to the rehabilitative community, and she said, you know, you should really try and get uh, this woman. I've taken several of her courses. Her name's Tracy Stackhouse, and she's just really great. She's a great clinician and a great teacher and just really uh, informative in the occupational therapy world. And so so I sent out an email, I think, that day, and You know, here we are a couple weeks later, and I'm happy to have on my show today, Tracy Mernon-Stackhouse. She is the president and co-founder of the Developmental and Fragile X Resource Center, or Developmental FX, in Denver, Colorado. She is a leading pediatric occupational therapist involved in clinical treatment, research, mentoring, and training regarding OT intervention. For persons with neurodevelopmental disorders, especially Fragile X Syndrome and autism, and we're going to talk about both of those today in detail, Uh, Tracy has her master's degree in developmental psychology, developmental cognitive neuroscience. She received her NDT training with Lois Bly. She is an SIPT certified And was the clinical specialist in sensory integration at the Children's Hospital in Denver, as well as the OT for the Fragile X Research and Treatment Center. Uh, Tracy continued her clinical and research work with Dr. Randy Hagerman at the UC Davis Mind Institute during its startup year. She has written several book chapters on sensory integration and neurodevelopmental disorders and teach, teaches nationally and internationally on sensory integration, fragile and related topics, she is also the co-PI on a funded study of neuromotor measures for use in Fragile X syndrome, as well as the author of Motor Differences in the Autism Spectrum Disorders, a chapter in the 2010 text Autism: A Comprehensive Occupational Therapy Approach, edited by Miller, Kuhanic, and, and Waitling, AOTA Press. Ah, so, Tracy, welcome to the show. <laughs>
1: so much, Karen This is a long
0: bio That's <laughs> a long intro But, you know, I think from what I've gathered from a lot of my friends who are occupational therapists Is, is they really sort of regard you as I think my friend Leah said, you know, whatever she says, I'll do it oh, wow. what, Whatever she says, I'm listening to it, you know Because you have sort of a, a, a wonderful reputation in the occupational therapy world So I want to thank you for taking the time out today and coming on the show
1: Well, thank you so much. You know, I feel really lucky to be an OT and um, to be able to do training and mentoring and to work with the families I get to work with. And um, I think it requires a lot of learning and dedication to kind of um, staying up on what's happening with the changes that seem to be occurring in neurodevelopmental science. so it's exciting and I love it and um, I'm happy to be on the show with you today
0: yeah and and let's sort of quickly talk about your uh, developmental fragile X resource center developmental FX in Denver Colorado um, what what sort of stuff do you guys do there and, and I know you're a non for profit clinic as well, so how does that how do you sort of integrate all of that
1: sure well um Back in about 2003, uh, my very, very close friend and colleague, Sarah Scharfenaker, who's a speech-language pathologist, she and I had had a chance to work together at the MIND Institute out at UC Davis, Um, and when we returned to Denver, we just felt like there needed to be a center where families could really get multidisciplinary services from experts without having to have the sort of the structure and the difficulties that can happen in a hospital setting. Mm -hmm. And so we um, put together a plan to open this nonprofit. So we opened in 2003 and it's a, you know, we kind of have a couple of different missions. Um, We have a local clinic where we see families for occupational therapy and speech language um, pathology services as well as physical therapy and psychology services. So it's a multidisciplinary uh, therapy center here Mm -hmm. in Denver. Mm -hmm. And then we also um, specialize in autism and fragile X syndrome. And so we have families who come from all over the world for uh, intensive therapy services here or where we might go um, and do training or consultation to help a local community in, you know, the middle of Iowa or in India to help Hmm. them kind of get up to speed on best practice related to these different neurodevelopmental conditions.
0: Great. And I guess, I think maybe what we'll do is let's start out with just simple sort of, and it's probably not that simple, but let's start out with definitions for autism and for Fragile X. I think a lot of people know or maybe think they know a good definition for for autism, but I think Fragile X syndrome is something that's maybe not as well known. So can you kind of give us definitions on both of those?
1: Sure. So autism is a, is a, brain-based disorder that's um, identified by a set of behaviors, and those behaviors cluster in um, some areas where children or adults are struggling with their basic communication skills, mm-hmm. um, their basic social relatedness, and they can get kind of um, locked in and, and uh, restricted in some of their interests or some of their uh, Behaviors, their motor mannerisms, or the or the kind of behavioral repertoire, Mm -hmm. Um, and so autism is thought of as really a behaviorally defined disorder. You you, um, identify it uh, with um, looking at core sets of behaviors, and Mm -hmm. then when those behaviors cluster together in a certain way, usually the idea is that that's a syndrome, um, a behavioral syndrome, and in this case, it would be an autism spectrum disorder. Okay. Um, And so autism is behaviorally defined, whereas fragile X syndrome is a genetically defined disorder. Okay. So it's caused by a change on the X chromosome that is passed in families and then leads to a set of characteristics or a phenotype um, of behaviors that can include um, some things that sort of look like autism. but are are really a part of having fragile X, and that's because of a genetic change. I see. So it's um, yeah, it's kind of a an interesting world in neurodevelopment because uh, some of the things, like in um, the autism spectrum disorders, for instance, we mm-hmm. had um, a particular disorder called Rett syndrome mm-hmm. that up until a few years ago was a behaviorally defined disorder. It was in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, the DSM, Mm -hmm. and it was a part of the cluster of issues that were thought of as autism. But then the genetic um, change in Rett syndrome was identified, and so it moved out of being an autism spectrum disorder into its own genetic category. And, and that's probably going to happen a lot over the next 20 years where subsets of um, people with autism, the genetic issue behind why they have autism will be identified, and then um, their disorder would be identified by the genetic basis rather than by this behavioral okay. cluster. So it's a it's a shifting world, a shifting tide, and, and it's an interesting thing that's happening.
0: Sure. Well, as new research comes out, and, and I would assume as as greater understanding of of the brain and and how that works and and neurodevelopment neurodevelopmental research, I would assume that things will start to be categorized a little differently.
1: Absolutely. So those those shifting categories are something that um, is really important for clinicians because. You know, how you work with a family that has um, a specific condition is always a little different than if they have a general condition. Uh, you of know, course. the more specific we can be um, in our understanding of what that person has, the better our intervention is. And so it's really important yeah. for people to. Have some access to to Keeping up to date on that information
0: Absolutely and you know we have to Take a quick break Tracy we'll be right back After uh, this commercial break And we'll talk a little bit more uh, First we'll talk a little bit about More about autism and some maybe some Misconceptions that have been Sort of floating through the press and the general Public over the last couple of years so everyone Stay tuned we'll be right back
2: Talking Alternative Radio 24 hours a day.
3: How's your game? Want to improve your performance, focus, and motivation? Then you need Aspire Athletic Consulting. Stop second guessing yourself, move your game to the next level, bring back the fun of the sport, help your child build confidence and self esteem through sports. Contact Dale at Aspire Athletic Consulting for a free 15-minute power session to get unstuck today. Your greatest athletic performance is just a phone call away at 801-604-0294 or visit web. Motivational coaching for athletic excellence. Aspire to greatness.
4: Are you fed up with talking points rhetoric? Everywhere you turn, it's left or right spin. Ideology, no reality. In fact, it's ideology over intellect. No more. It's time for the truth. Join me, Larry Sharp, a.k.a. The Neo Sage, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11 Eastern, for the Ivory Tower radio program. In the Ivory Tower, we'll discuss what's important to you, society, politics, business, and family. It's provocative talk for the realist and the skeptic who want to know what's really going on, what does it mean, and what can be done about it. So gain special access to the Ivory Tower Listen to me, Larry Sharp, your Neosage. Tuesday nights, 9 to 11, New York time. Go to ivorytowerradio.com for details. That's ivorytowerradio.com. The ivory tower is a great place to visit for both entertainment and education. Listen in Tuesday nights, 9 to 11. It will make you smarter.
2: Money, time, happiness, success. Where's your breakthrough? Join me, Nora Simpson, as I bring you real-world tools for combining financial smarts with spiritual purpose. As a consultant to CEOs, I've helped produce clear, measurable financial results while expanding integrity, passion, and joy. Share my journey as we apply the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment to create breakthroughs for people across the world, the people of Creation Nation. Listen to Nora Simpson's Creation Nation Fridays at 12 noon Eastern on TalkingAlternative.com.
5: Hey, all you crazy listeners, looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at Talking Alternative.
0: Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I'm your host, Karen Litzy, and I'm joined today by occupational therapist, Tracy Stackhouse. And if anyone has any questions for myself, or more likely for Tracy, you can call in at 877-480-4120. So in the last segment, uh, Tracy sort of defined for us autism and Fragile X Syndrome. So Tracy, let's talk about autism. And, and first, let's talk about possible causes of autism. And I think through the throughout the press, there's been a lot of, um, I guess, maybe some misconceptions. And I was wondering if you can clear some of that up. But most, most sort of that vaccinations cause autism.
1: Sure, sure. Well, you know, um, it's a complicated issue. Autism tends to run in families first off, and so okay. based on that information. Um, and lots and lots of research, uh, it, it's clear that on some level there's a genetic basis to autism. Yeah. Now, that's kind of true for most any disorder. Absolutely. Anybody ever have, right? Yeah. Um, and so we kind of think about it. Um, there's, a, there's a terminology that's used um, in more kind of the science community, but it's called a diathesis stress model. What okay. that means is that you, you have kind of a, a genetic condition that's kind of set in your gene pattern and it's lingering, it's kind of waiting for the stressor to come along to trigger it. Mm -hmm. So this is the same kind of model that is used um, to study cancer and Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's and lots and lots and lots of conditions. Um, So you have something kind of in your gene set that isn't going to express itself unless there's something that is going to kind of trigger it. Mm -hmm. So that's um, the current thinking about autism is that there are a variety of different background
6: genes
1: that are likely um, kind of waiting for that, that trigger to come along. So mm-hmm. those triggers are of um, particular interest to researchers now trying to figure out what are all those stressors. and. You know one of the ones that was sort of highlighted in the press quite a bit was the vaccination issue and so you know there was this thought that maybe the vaccine themselves or maybe the mercury that was used as a preservative in the vaccine was actually causing autism it turns out that that's probably unlikely in a really straightforward cause-effect kind of way, Mm -hmm. like um, that the toxin, the mercury, was causing autism. But it could be that, you know, there are lots of different things that look like there are stressors to a developing um, fetus Mm -hmm. Um, because we know that if you have autism, it's likely that you, you know, have it from birth or or even, you know, before birth. Okay. And um, so... You know, there are a lot of people who are looking at environmental toxins, Mm -hmm. um, at interaction effects between the mom's immune system and how the um, baby's, um, you know, responding to that and how the brain ends ends up being impacted in neurodevelopment Mm -hmm. by those changes. So what those stressors are um, in the environment, chemicals, other kinds of environmental exposures, um, you know, prenatal exposures or any of those things are all likely candidates. And mm-hmm. um, I think what's happening in the medical and research communities is that rather than sort of nay-saying that, oh, all of that is just not real, mm-hmm. I think there's now a, an appreciation that's the responsible thing to do. Is to really look for the contributors because mm-hmm. clearly it's a contribution model. It's an additive model where there's some kind of you know toxin or exposure or change in the environment that then exposes that gene uh, chain right. to a, a difference, and then and then ends up as a kind of a cascading effect and causes autism. Right,
0: right, and and. Is there, let's say,, a blood test that can test for certain genes? Do they have that sort of teased out enough yet?
1: Well, um if you go to a neuro you know a clinic with a geneticist uh-huh. or um, you know, a really good uh, developmental clinic in most of the kind of Western cultures now. Mm-hmm. There are um, tests that they can run, so there are some blood tests that they can run. And they can find out if, if the cause of your autism, for instance, would be Fragile X syndrome or mm-hmm. if the cause of your autism was Rett syndrome. Mm-hmm. But there are gene changes that are really clearly identified on chromosome number 7, number 15, number 16, number 17 that are all testable conditions. Okay. And so, um, you know, there's a range of um, genetic tests that can be done to help to identify. And right now... You know, about two to probably 18 percent or so of all the of kids with autism, the cause can be identified. Okay. And and that's important for families. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's always kind of easier to understand why do you have this than if you have this kind of well, you have autism and we don't know why you have mm-hmm. it.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. a little scary and very threatening. I think.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and also because it runs in families. So if you are a parent who has a child with autism, you know you're at much greater risk to have another child who has autism. Okay. Um, and so it's an important and kind of scary thing that's happening. Sure.
0: Yeah. Sure. And if what are some common signs and symptoms that a child may exhibit if they would then be diagnosed with autism, and when do those signs and symptoms show up?
1: Sure. So, you know, the research right now indicates that, you know, by, certainly by the age of two, mm-hmm. um, that you can clearly identify autism with, you know, a lot of reliability and, and be very certain about the presence of autism. Um, but with people who are experienced and understand the disorder, um, you can identify it down as young as really like nine months. Oh, is that reliably. right? Yeah. So you know there, and there are a couple really amazing websites that I think people should know about. Sure. One is called First Signs. Okay. And the First Signs website has um, really tremendous information um, about really what are those very early symptoms of autism. Okay. It also has a video glossary so that people, parents even or pediatricians, therapists, can watch. Um, What does normal development look like at that Mm. age? And what does autism look like at that age? And um, some of those tapes are available as young as a year of age. And so you can really start to pinpoint the particular behaviors that would be, you know, of interest um, and really suspect Mm -hmm. for um, looking at autism. But what we look at, you know, early on is really... The nuances of social interaction, of communication, Mm -hmm. um, and also of motor behavior. Um, It turns out that um, immature gross motor and fine motor skills are often involved in early um, presentations of autism. Mm -hmm. And some of that (coughs) is starting to become of more interest to researchers as um, you'll see a child who. you know maybe is uh nine months old and interested in uh, a social opportunity, but then can't organize their body to move toward it mm.
0: so then, um, so for an example, they may see uh a toy across the room or another child playing with a toy across the room and can't quite get their get themselves to engage in that
1: absolutely okay, absolutely. Um, and um, you know, it's not just a motor-based issue, but it certainly contributes to it. Okay. So, what you'll see in those early months, or the in those first, um, you know, let's say in the first two years of life, you're going to see, you know, a difference in kind of the sharing of social smiles,
7: mm-hmm. um,
1: a difference in being able to sustain that kind of you know peekaboo kind of fun play that we right. little kids right. Um, is less ability for them to either organize and sustain that kind of a social interaction or uh-huh. maybe to make sense of it. Uh-huh. And and some of the research is still looking at, is it really um, on the making sense end of this that autism starts first or is it more in the organizing the response? And right. It's likely that it's in both places. Yeah. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Yeah. And so we have to look at that so that we can, um, you know, Create the right intervention because right. if the problem is in the understanding, then you're going to target that for sure. helping the child to put the world together. Right, and right, it, and vice versa. Of yeah.
0: course, great. So you know we have to take another quick break. We'll be right back. We'll talk a little bit more about signs and symptoms, and I have a question about a cause, but I'm going to okay. ask you that after the break. Okay. So uh, everyone, stay tuned. We'll be right back.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
7: Hi, I'm Carol Ward from the Body Mind Wellness Program. Listen to my show for ideas and information to help you live a healthier life in body, mind, and spirit you'll hear from terrific guests who are experts in the areas of health, wellness, and creativity. So join me every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on TalkingAlternative.com, professionals serving community.
8: Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Leibowitz, The Conscious Consultant, I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183 That's 212-721-8183 The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people.
6: A firefly
8: who shined as bright as the moon and the stars with her guiding light seen through the night.
0: Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy and Smart. I'm your host, Karen Litzy, and I'm joined today by Tracy Stackhouse. She is an occupational therapist and president and co-founder of the Developmental and Fragile X Resource Center in Denver, Colorado. So, Tracy and I are Uh, Left off last segment, we were sort of talking about some signs and symptoms of autism. And uh, one thing that uh, Tracy said in the last segment was, you know, the child may have uh, sort of difficulty putting together. And and Tracy, I'm going to kind of reword this and I may be doing it wrong. But um, kind of having trouble with uh, maybe organizing their thoughts within a social realm or or maybe perhaps disinterested in things socially. Is that right? Am yeah, I... well,
1: what's, what's tricky? You know, again, it I is think tricky. autism is complicated because it's a spectrum disorder. Yeah. And the nature of that spectrum means that, you know, every person that is affected is going to be differently affected. So
0: different, right.
1: Yeah. And the onset and the effect of the symptoms are going to be different. And so... Um, when we look at kids, you know, they're going to show some impairment in their social interaction. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes that impairment is so severe that they, they don't really even have any inkling of understanding about that other people even,
0: are around you them. know,
1: are around them, yeah. that there's any utility necessarily in that, mm-hmm. and that there would certainly be any reason to have a reciprocal social sharing. mm mm-hmm. There are others that are, you know, at the mild end of autism who, um, in you know, want to be with other people, have um, a social interest, but they don't know how to sustain that, and they don't have as deep of an understanding of um, the sh- of the enjoyment that happens in shared interests. Okay. And so the spectrum is tricky. And, yeah. you know, one of the things we have to be careful about is that, You know, some interventions are aimed at that really severe end, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, a person who has mild autism doesn't need that kind of intervention. They need a more nuanced, higher level of -hmm. intervention. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, but there are commonalities, and it really is a syndrome, and it turns out that um, you can look developmentally at how social understanding emerges, and, in those that are more severely impaired compared to those that are more mildly impaired there are shared features mm-hmm. so they, they have this kind of lack of reciprocity, this lack of response that is um, rich and detailed and sustained and, and that's really common across mm-hmm. the spectrum. And they all will share some problems with communication so you'll see um, You know, less use of gestures, Hmm. less use of nonverbal communication, Mm -hmm. um, unusual prosody in their speech, so their voice, um, the pacing and timing sounds different um, once they're, you know, verbal, and so you're going to see communication differences. And again, that's going to be true in those that are more mildly affected. Or in those that are very severely affected. Mm -hmm. Um, So you see that that nuance. And I think another important thing is that always up until now we've thought of autism as defined by this triad of symptoms: these social issues, and then the communication Mm -hmm. issues, and then the restricted interests. But Mm -hmm. um, in uh, (coughs) pardon me, in 2000. 13, we'll all start using some new diagnostic criteria. Okay. And those are going to be shifted into, instead of a triad of symptoms, into just a dyad of symptoms. Okay. Pardon me. That's okay. (laughs) So that dyad of symptoms is going to look at how the communication and the social issues are kind of combined, okay. And so it's going to merge those two into sort of one broader category. Mm-hmm. And then it'll look at um, the repetitive, restricted interest and include um, sensory based issues, which heretofore had not been included. okay in the diagnosis of autism, but in the future will be. Okay. Um,
0: and why is how is that important to parents or important to clinicians?
1: Well, it's, it's really important partly because for, you know, and especially as an OT, I think I'm very tuned into this issue, that um, before people would hear that, you know, children with autism might have differences in the way they responded to their sensory world. They mm-hmm. might be um, overwhelmed by the sound or, you know, by people talking to them or looking at them or touching them, mm-hmm. and always before it was... Considered to be a part of just their social deficit—that it was just because they didn't understand the social world. I see. And now it's really understood that, in fact, those sensory issues are a part and parcel to the disorder, mm-hmm. and they'll now be used as a part of diagnosing the disorder. Gotcha.
0: So, so rather than it just being part of that social issue, that those sensory issues that these children may have are are more of a of maybe a physical issue.
1: Exactly, a part Mm -hmm. of the neurology, a part of the biology. Right,
0: right, right. Mm
7: -hmm.
0: Okay. Um, And then I also, you know, one of my friends sent this question. I think I sent it to you also, but she went to a, and this is more, this is kind of getting off of of, uh, some of the signs and symptoms, because this is a causative question. I just wanted your thoughts on it. But um, she went to a course a couple of years ago with Eileen Richter, I believe is her name. And in the course, one of her thoughts on the cause of autism was the back to sleep movement. By always having your child sleeping on their back, mm-hmm. that that nervous system just never gets a chance, perhaps to to fully develop and maybe kind of sort of turned on. Mm-hmm. And I just, I guess, we we're just wondering what your thoughts were on that.
1: Well, I think you know it's one of those things where if you have the genetic loading that mm-hmm. says you might have uh, predis be predisposed Predisposed. to having autism, Mm -hmm. and then you have a stressor that comes along that says, yeah, in fact, let's go there, Mm -hmm. then your experiences in the world are going to impact how severe your presentation of autism are. Mm -hmm. So if you have that gene change with the, you know, um, stressor, and then you are raised in an orphanage... It's much more likely that you're going to have a severe expression of the disorder. Okay, Um, that makes sense. Yeah, so I think, you know, our early experiences matter, early intervention matters. Mm -hmm. And if you are put in a situation where you are, you know, not developing, your core musculature right, your movement patterns, your Mm -hmm. reflex integration isn't coming together right, Mm -hmm. then that's going to make any development harder for you. Sure. And if you have autism, it's going to make your autism look worse.
0: Right. Um,
1: So I think it's probably, you know, one of those factors that isn't causing autism, but it could contribute to the severity of the expression.
0: Okay. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for that. Uh Um, So you know, let's start, we'll sort of start now and we'll finish in the next section and the next uh, segment. But let's talk about what can an occupational therapist, a physical therapist, a speech therapist, what sort of stuff can this rehab team do to help with autism? So, you know, it's kind of a loaded question and it's probably is probably what you do when you teach for a whole weekend, I'm sure. Um, So shorten that down into, you know, five minutes for us, would you? (laughs) Sure,
1: I'll try, I'll try. So here's the thing. Because autism is a neurodevelopmental condition, Uh um, the more developmental information we can get for that child Mm -hmm. um, into their school system, into their family, into the interventions they're receiving... Um, the stronger it's going to be. So therapists who are well-trained in development to begin with Mm -hmm. have an advantage at treating these issues because um, even though autism is a striking disorder, it's also kind of a disorder of subtlety in that, um, you know, the way that a child weight shifts can make a difference in how they can visually attend and how they can um, guide social interaction. And so having... Um, clinicians who really understand how things like motor development affect communication mm-hmm. can go a really long way to having a positive impact. Um, so having a team approach is um, really always recommended. Of course. And, you know, we're going to work carefully together to address the features. and. And while autism is made up of these social communicative deficits and then these kind of restricted interest patterns, um, there are motor issues in autism from the beginning of Mm -hmm. development Mm -hmm. um, and there are sensory-based issues. And so the OT and the uh, PT are going to work on those um, in a cascading way, kind of how do those impact um, you know, looking and reaching and touching and, and enjoying mm-hmm. those experiences so that, that, you know, the world comes together in a way that makes sense. And then, of course, as a communication issue is, is primary in autism, the speech-language pathologist is going to be involved Um, you know, all the way through as well. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, we're going to, sorry to cut you off, but we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more uh, about treatment and uh, perhaps how the family needs to get involved or the caretakers need to get involved. So we'll be right back.
4: You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you feeling overwhelmed in the current chaos of our changing times? A deeper understanding of authentic astrology can uncover solutions in every area of life. After all, metaphysics is just quantum physics poetically expressed. I am Montgomery Taylor, and I offer lectures, seminars, and private consultations. For more information, contact me at Monty, M-O-N-T-Y at rljmedia.com.
8: Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212 721 8183 or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you.
3: How's your game? Want to improve your performance, focus and motivation? Then you need Aspire Athletic Consulting. Stop second guessing yourself. Move your game to the next level. Bring back the fun of the sport. Help your child build confidence and self-esteem through sports. Contact Dale at Aspire Athletic Consulting for a free 15-minute power session to get unstuck today. Your greatest athletic performance is just a phone call away at 801-604-0294 or visit aspireconsulting.vpweb. Motivational coaching for athletic excellence. Aspire to greatness.
4: Talkingalternative.com
7: Back in 52, lying awake and tuning in on you. If I was
0: young, it didn't stop you through. Oh, oh, oh. And welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I'm your host, Karen Litzy, joined today by occupational therapist Tracy Stackhouse, and we're talking all about autism. We sort of left off last segment talking about treatment options and how you really need a team approach when treating um, a child with autism. So you need your occupational therapist, your speech therapist, and physical therapist. So Tracy, here's a question. As a child is, again, keeping in mind that, you know, autism is on a spectrum and some children are mild and some are more severe. uh, When a diagnosis of autism happens, at whatever age that child is, is the therapy started immediately?
1: Yeah, we we would hope so. Yeah. So what you know, of course, what happens to a family is that they're they're kind of reeling, and it and it mm-hmm. doesn't matter, you know, if the child is high functioning or really a you know, really impacted by the disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite a a shock, and at first can be kind of devastating and overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the resources that's really fantastic is through Autism Speaks. Uh-huh. Um, they have a free resource called the First Hundred Days. And that's really a guide for families to kind of help step them through, what do I do? How do I get this all started? Because there are going to be recommendations that are pages and pages and pages long, Mm -hmm. Um, you know. So, you know, the recommendation is that, first of all, that we don't do a one-size-fits-all intervention model but mm-hmm. it should very much be tailored.
0: And individualized.
1: To, yeah, the sure. the individual, you know, child symptoms because sure. every kid is different. And sure. it and the treatment also needs to address the core symptoms of autism. So, you know, one of the things that can happen for any discipline is that they can kind of get lost a little bit in their own, oh, I'm gonna really work on this core postural development of right. the P T And um, what they have to remember is that they need to embed that in the core issue, which is really around social communication Mm -hmm. and processing of information so that it makes sense and that they can organize themselves to have, um, you know, organized responses. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is, you know, put together a treatment team, and the treatment team will include education and behavior specialists sometimes as well, Mm Um, and um, and then, you know, what we want to do is put together a package so that all of the breadth of development is being covered carefully um, and in a cohesive kind of coordinated manner. And so that takes a lot of teaming and, um, you know, it's a huge commitment for, for families sure. to obtain that level of service. And really most kids, you know, we're recommending between 20 and 25 hours of therapy, um, including school, including, you know, what the parents are doing in their daily routine, sure. Um, but a lot of intervention in order to turn the tide on this thing and, and help kids to meet their potential.
0: And, and are there children who, let's say, maybe they're more on the mild to moderate, can they phase out of needing therapy at some point, or is this something that they'll need for the rest of their lives?
1: You know, it's kind of a peaks and valley kind of thing where Mm -hmm. um, there are going to be times in their life where they're going to be really making progress, and sometimes therapy then can really enhance and push them and Mm. help them to be a little even, you know, beyond where we were expecting. And then in those valleys when things are rough, we're going to, you know, kind of maximize and increase services. But there are other times where, yeah, you know, they're, they're kind of in a good place, and the family has resources in place and school is, you know, knowing what to do. Mm-hmm. And then and then it can kind of back off a little bit. So it I definitely um, waxes and wanes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and there are kids who, you know, have a diagnosis of autism who later that diagnosis is removed, um, and that's because of really good intervention and the, and the child responds well to gotcha. the treatment. Gotcha. Yeah, so that can happen. It doesn't happen a lot. We don't think of autism as being curable mm-hmm. um, at this point in time, but, um, you know, there are changes in <laughs> medicine that are astounding right now. Yeah. So who knows?
0: Yeah, who knows? And I guess, you know, talking from a standpoint of when the child gets early intervention care, let's say through the state or through their school, um, and this is just from my limited knowledge of of how this works, but let's say, you know, the child enters into the school system and they are receiving at school physical, occupational, speech therapy. Um, As they get a little older and their symptoms let's say they are one of these children where the symptoms do decline, they sort of funnel out of that, and then they no longer qualify for yeah. the, the sort of in-school therapy. And how does that impact the child, and how does it impact the family? What are the family's other options at that point?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, all along, we often, you know, find that it's helpful for families to have some private therapy mm-hmm. to augment what's happening in the school. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, school districts in some places can be um, very limited in their funding. Yeah. And one of the things that happens is that, you know, the child becomes a middle schooler and suddenly there's no therapy available. That's
0: right. Um,
1: yeah. It happens mo- more frequently than it does. And yeah. so in those situations, you know, those kids' needs don't go away. Um, and so if they're staffed out of a service, it can mm-hmm. be very hard to have that service, you know, come back in. Um, and even though those are supposed to be team decisions, they're often, they're
0: often not. Decisions. Yeah, that's yeah. right. In an ideal world, it's a team decision.
1: Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, we really see that families are having to be advocates all the way along yeah. through their lifespan of their child and, um, you know, finding services that are appropriate and then, you know, deciding which battles to fight because mm-hmm. sometimes it's better to just, you know, get the private therapist to... To it work is. instead yeah. of trying to spend two years fighting right. um, and so there's all those issues that go on and it's always you know when we're treating a child we're not just treating the child but we're really working with their family right and, um, yeah I yeah. was
0: just gonna say that yeah, yeah I mean it's you a know family issue <laughs> it is it's a family, because and if there's other children involved I mean it impacts the entire family Um, You know, one of my friends has an autistic child And she was on the show a couple of months ago And she What she did that really helped her child And I'd love to know your thoughts on this Is they actually got a service dog for her Through Mm -hmm. Service Dogs of the West Uh And she said that it really helped her child's social interactions, especially if she were walking with the dog and saw someone else walking with the dog. She was much more likely to go up to that person and start a conversation. I think she's six now Uh and engage in conversation and, and speak to the other dog. And I just was wondering what your what your thoughts are on sort of service dogs for some of these children.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I see. I, it's a growing trend, and I think the benefits you highlighted are exactly the reasons why. Mm-hmm. You know, um, dogs aren't very, um, they're very warm, they're there for your needs, and mm-hmm. they're pretty um, responsive, and you know, they aren't as contingent as people are. And right. Sometimes it's a lot easier for kids to relate to animals than it is to people. Um, So we, you know, horseback riding therapy and Mm. service dog use are both um, areas where children with autism oftentimes sort of start to show that they actually have some level of social drive and interest and understanding that it's uh, harder for them to show with people. Mm -hmm. And so it can be an avenue to opening some doors for them. Um, You know, we really have to be careful to to not say no, because some entity somewhere says, oh, we can only do these three rigid interventions. Right. Um, It's really important that, you know, we we look at what is this, what's making the world make sense to this kid, and then figure out a, a way for them to get more of that.
0: Right, right. And I mean, I think with any sort of neuromotor, neuromuscular neuromotor disorder, because everyone is so individualized. I think as the therapist, and even as the parent or the teacher, you just have to be so aware of not just the diagnosis of autism, but also the child's personality, mm-hmm. and take into account maybe tailoring your your treatments to that child.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, we've worked with kids who, you know, the way in was through music, or was mm. through... Um, you know, skiing or oh. through oh, you're in Colorado, uh, swimming yeah. or something. <laughs> you know, just finding something that really clicks for them. Yeah. Um, and you know, these kids are going to be in intervention for a long time, so yeah. we want to be careful to make sure that they're engaged yeah. and not just having it done to them.
0: Right, right. So, takeaway we sort of the sort of operator model versus, Mm -hmm. you know, so you don't want to be just the person operating on this child, but you want to be more of an interactor.
1: That's exactly right. And relationship, you know, in the end, really, really matters. I mean, I think if you look at the um, progress that's been done in, in basic behavior therapies, a lot of them have been modified and shifted over time. Um, in order to really account for the fact that the, in the end what, we, what we're interested in is that this child learned how to relate to people. Yeah. And the relationship part and the social part is really the, the driver, the most yeah. critical thing. So, you know, these kids can respond well sometimes to early, you know, discrete trial type of Um, behavioral training Mm -hmm. but after um, a while that that fatigues for everybody yeah it gets old you know they need to get embedded in relationships and in meaningful engagement yeah things that make sense and give them joy and and that they can share that with people And so um, therapy isn't like one size fits all And it doesn't stay the same What you do with them at age two is different Than mm-hmm. what you do with them mm-hmm. you know, as they grow and change Sure,
0: and, and on that note And a very important note at that We're going to take a quick break We'll be right back We have a couple minutes to kind of wrap it up So everybody okay. stay tuned Talking Alternative
2: Radio 24 hours a day
6: Hi, this is Nancy Tatro from SpeakSpin Radio. SpeakSpin Radio is an exploration of the world of communication, how it happens, and how to make it better, because the quality of your communication has a direct impact on the quality of your life. Tune in Mondays at 2 p.m. on TalkingAlternative.com, where I'll be interviewing experts from business, academia, the arts, and new thought. Join me Mondays at 2 p.m. and get all your communications questions answered on SpeakSpin
7: Radio. Hi, I'm Carol Ward from the Body, Mind, Wellness program. Listen to my show for ideas and information to help you live a healthier life in body, mind, and spirit. You'll hear from terrific guests who are experts in the areas of health, wellness, and creativity. So join me every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on TalkingAlternative.com. Professionals serving community.
2: Money, time, happiness, success. Where's your breakthrough? Join me, Nora Simpson, as I bring you real-world tools for combining financial smarts with spiritual purpose. As a consultant to CEOs, I've helped produce clear, measurable financial results while expanding integrity, passion, and joy. Share my journey as we apply the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment to create breakthroughs for people across the world, the people of Creation Nation. Listen to Nora Simpson's Creation Nation Fridays at 12 noon Eastern on TalkingAlternative.com.
5: Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at at infotalkingalternative.com.
2: Talking Alternative.
0: Welcome, to, welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy and Smart. I'm your host, Karen Litzy, and joined today by Tracy Stackhouse, a wonderful occupational therapist and president and co-founder of the Developmental and Fragile X Resource Center in Denver. So, Tracy, before we wrap things up, if anyone had any questions, how can they get in touch with you?
1: Well, the best way is uh, through our website, which is actually under construction, but there is a link there okay. for uh, our, our uh, you know, email address, which is info at org, And uh, our phone number is on the website as well, which is, um, you know, www.developmentalfx.org.
0: Great. And just to kind of – we have about two minutes now. I told you it goes by so fast. Um, but what – I guess – What is the most important point that you'd like the listeners to kind of take from our discussion today?
1: Well, um, I think a couple of things. One is that the prevalence of autism is is strikingly high. You know, 1 in 88 children Mm -hmm. are affected by autism, and it's a spectrum disorder that really requires intensive intervention with specialized care from a team. Um, and those individuals providing the treatment need to stay, you know, in tune with the research findings and and what are really best practices. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, then crafting a good treatment plan that is very directed to individual symptoms is important. Um, and then the helping families, supporting them to access care, and and in the end, I think all of us need to be advocating for autism because. There's little funding for treatment, there's little funding for research, and it's a very prevalent and pressing disorder, mm-hmm. so um, I also think there are great resources. Um, in our country, there are great resources, um, and the Internet is awesome, mm-hmm. you know, accessing good information on the Internet versus, you know, kind of Crazy erroneous stuff. information yeah. is important. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I just really want to thank you for coming on today, and I think everything that you said was just spot-on, and it really kind of opened my eyes a little bit as to what autism really is. So I want to thank you for that. And, yeah, again, thank you for taking the time out and coming on.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Karen. And uh, also, you know, I think the last thing I want oh, yeah. to say to check on, you know, it, it, if a child has an autism disorder... It's important for them to to be seen by medical professionals so they can be tested in case there is a genetic cause. And right. fragile X is you know the leading genetic cause of autism and um, is a very missed missed diagnosis. So and because it's familial, um, it's really imperative that people look to make sure there isn't a medical cause for the autism. So the National Fragile X Foundation is fragilex.org, mm-hmm. and it's really the most extraordinary website I've ever seen. They have You know, hundreds of pages of really up to date information on best practices and best behavior interventions and all kinds of things. So, that's another critical resource. Great. And
0: thank you. Yep, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing. And Uh everyone, thanks for tuning in and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thanks.
1: Bye bye.
4: You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
6: Hi, this is Nancy Tatro from SpeakSpin Radio. SpeakSpin Radio is an exploration of the world of communication, how it happens, and how to make it better. Because the quality of your communication has a direct impact on the quality of your life. Tune in Mondays at 2 p.m. on TalkingAlternative.com, where I'll be interviewing experts from business, academia, the arts, and new thought. Join me Mondays at 2 p.m. and get all your communications questions answered on SpeakSpin Radio.
8: The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people.
5: You're listening to The Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
3: This is Tony Martinetti, the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Technology, fundraising, compliance, social media. Small and medium nonprofits have needs in all these areas. My guests are expert in all these areas and more. Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern, on Talking Alternative Broadcasting
4: are you concerned about the future of your business or career would you like it all to just be better well the way to do that is through better communication and the best way to do that is training from the team at improving communications this is larry sharp host of the ivory tower radio program and director at improving communications does your office need better leadership customer service sales or maybe better writing or speaking skills Could they be better at dealing with confrontation, conflicts, touchy subjects? All are covered here at Improving Communications. If you're in the New York City area, stop by one of our public classes or get your human resources in touch with us. The website is improvingcommunications.com. That's improvingcommunications.com. Improve your professional environment. Be more effective. Be happier and make more money. Improving Communications. That's the answer. talkingalternative.com